Two, one, it's a fucking long week, Dan. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Poor Legs podcast with myself, Damik. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? That's the first time you've ever sworn in the intro, mate. Yeah, I know, mate. It's that took week. me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's kind of normal. I'm going to swear at some point, so it's absolutely fine. Um, we have a guest on, mate. We might as well bring him in as soon as possible. He's in your bodybuilding world, so I'll leave you to do the honours. Well, he's fucking far better than me at bodybuilding. Jesus yeah. Christ, I don't think that's fair I'll on him to that. put me in the same bracket. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, AJ Morris, welcome. Oh, thank, thank you very much, guys. Like I, um, I always appreciate being invited on podcasts, and I think I, I, I listened to to your podcast a lot when I was one to one personal training. It was one of the ones that I sort of got recommended to listen to, and yeah, I listened to it pretty. Pretty much every single week. I must say that I haven't listened recently, um, purely because my <laughs> I think my interests have have gone a little bit more so into just sort of bodybuilding specific specific podcasts. Um, but yeah, I certainly like you both of you guys, and I find you <laughs> I find you both amusing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm very sort of happy to be on and. Thank you to your to your listeners as well. That, that so if, if I heard a few of them have said they wanted to hear from me. So if if you are one of those people, then thank you very much. That means a lot. That's cool. Um, so yeah, thank you guys. I think I agree with you with the whole podcasting. I remember I remember when I first like say when I was PT and even I, I the commute and stuff like that. I listened to podcasts and fitness related ones, and now I'm just yeah. like couldn't think of anything worse. It's like get me. <laughs> <laughs> you do enough of it you, you read enough of it you speak to enough people it's like you don't need more and more and more and more and it gets to the point where sometimes it's yeah. a bit um, a bit relentless yeah. and yeah i, I realize that yeah, i don't listen to a single fitness podcast yeah the thing is right i um I was, I was i was saying to you guys earlier how i speak to to steve a lot steve hall from revive stronger who if you haven't already had on you, you should because he's a cool guy as well um, and, and we listeners have asked him to come on again. Actually, yeah, we we have had, had oh, him on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I spoke to him. It must be fucking nearly eighteen months ago now. Must okay. be fucking ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we voice note a lot, and I that's pretty much all I do in terms of listening. Like in the car, all I do is listen to a voice note from Steve or one of my friends. And I actually have learnt more over the last two to three months just going back and forth with him on discussions than i have ever listening to podcasts because we'll just we'll just bring up something that's on the top of our minds and of course in that in that realm between me and him we can just raise whatever the we want and it not be anything detrimental <laughs> uh whereas on a podcast you're obviously limited to what you're gonna say um and yeah i i, I find that massively important for me just to, to build myself as a coach is talking to other coaches that's what I love doing, um, but yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand what you mean in terms of not wanting to. They, they all, they're all kind of because they're so popular now. They're all quite similar, you know. Like they're all sort of the same guests with the same bloody questions. Uh, that's why what I stopped. <laughs> we guessing. started to kind of like, 
Yeah, we. Yeah. I mean, I mean, our most popular episodes have just been me and Dan. Weirdly, yeah, I'm not um, surprised. <laughs> but yeah, there's 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 guests that do the same rounds as I'm sure, like you, <laughs> me, Dan, and yourself included, have guested on other shows just to to go around. We all tend to talk to each other. It's quite cool that we're in yeah, a little community. But yeah, it's. I mean, I've got I've got a few that I listen to, but I've gone more of the business, like product development side of stuff. So I'm listening to CEOs talk. How sad is that? Okay. Um, <laughs> I think but, I think that's naturally what happens though, like because we obviously with, with with us at Team Boxes, like I, I sit and speak to four of the guys regularly on a daily basis. Coaches, we have discussions all the time, so it's quite nice. And I think that a lot of the time as an online trainer, you you really you miss out on that if you don't surround yourself with people like you said, AJ, like who you can speak to regularly. And like you say, Tom is your trainer. You've got your you know you've got your um, your other PTs that you talk to. Many of them. Yeah, so I don't know how many. It's quite nice for me to be able to you know I've got all those other guys there to, to bounce yeah, conversations cool. off and stuff. So it is quite good that you and. And like you say, it's nice to have other people challenge your view sometimes, and you, that's how you learn. Someone will go, "I saw this the other day. What do you think?" And it's um, me and Steve like disagree on pretty much everything. That's why I like speaking to. Him. We <laughs> don't good, agree. Like you don't want to have someone who's going to sit there and go, "Yeah, you're right" all the time. That's yeah. not that's not useful to anyone. But I, I saw the other day that you two had a uh, like a comment back and forth on Instagram, and it's it's good to see because it doesn't ever turn nasty. It's just like, well, no, I think this, and I think this, but. All right, well, we'll agree to disagree, kind of thing. Because yep. some of the times you see shit and you're just like, oh my god, like shut up. <laughs> yeah, uh, when you actually yeah. see an intellectual conversation happening, it's quite nice. It's rare, but it's quite nice. And you know, like I used to get butt hurt with those kind of comments. I'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> I'd, I'd respond really badly. But now I just think, cool, like it's fine for other people to have different opinions. And you know, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong. Doesn't mean that they're necessarily right. No one's right or wrong. You know, just chill. Take an opinion, learn something from it, and yeah, it's a much better way to act in the fitness industry, I think, rather than being sort of one single-minded. It doesn't get you anywhere, that. No, 100%. We've been also terrible fucking hosts, Dan, because uh, we haven't even asked, AJ, who are you? That was, that's the Henry Dunmore quote that we need to ask, basically. Um, yeah. <laughs> basically, what have you been doing that has drawn... Basically, we, we both follow AJ, Dan, so we've been following for the last, like must be two three years right through his yeah. journey um so it says not in a rude way or offensive way <laughs> but what are you doing who are you and uh, basically what is your kind of role in our world of course so uh i guess uh, uh, where i am now i'm 22 i coach fully online for a living and that is pretty much all well that is all i do i coach online for a living I coach primarily physique athletes that are looking to get on the stage either within that year or future years, so they're within an extended off-season. I do still, like Dan said, you know, I have the occasional person come along and they may be more general population style client. And usually they'll email me and they'll be like, I know that you work with bodybuilders, but I'd really like to work with you. And if they display some sort of, you know, that sort of passion in regards to wanting to really work with me i'm like cool yeah let's let's get going and if they're dedicated and they want to put everything into it they want to sort of listen and, and apply everything that i say then of course you know I'll, I'll take them on but the majority are like i said sort of bodybuilders both male and female and that's what i've been doing pretty productively for the last year and a half i think it was november of 20 
2016, I left my one-to-one job. Uh, do you guys know a place called The Performance Project? I'm yeah, yeah. it's run run by a guy now called well, it was run by three people, Harry Ranson, Nick Walsh and uh um Jerome Bowles, um or Bolsey. But um he Jerome just runs runs on his own now. Um I asked you if you knew it because you probably would know it because Jerome's been around like pretty much everywhere in terms of personal training and building a business and things like that. Um, and Nick, Nick, I think does work in London now as well with, with in the fitness industry, but I'm not sure exactly what, but that, that was essentially my, my sort of stomping ground for building my knowledge pretty much on everything. I can owe pretty much everything that I do now to, to a lot of what they taught me there in terms of just, just your, the ability to perform as a coach and put in the work. Uh, you always learn with P- PT how to put in the work because you'll be asked to do sort of stupid hours, and you know I'm I'm sure you're you're doing the same right now. You know yep. stupid hours regardless of what you do, um, <laughs> but yeah, sort of getting up at five a.m. and doing clients training in a very short gap and and not being home until late and having no chill time kind of thing. So I, I you know I did that for a while and I, I always thought I don't want to do this for a long time because I absolutely love bodybuilding and i i want to be really fucking good at it and i knew that it wasn't productive to to sort of be sacrificing my sleep having high stress and the online side of things certainly created a window where i could control my day a little bit more so that's probably why i did it alongside the fact that i just wanted to coach bodybuilders as well um but yeah that's sort of what took me into where i am now and uh, obviously is alongside coaching i am competitive my myself and uh, last year was a, a pretty good year I, I won a british title and a world title as a junior uh, within drug tested federations and and sort of the, the current goal for me is to build enough muscle to be in a position where i can die down again and get my natural pro card within the uh, wmbf is, is the goal at the moment um but i'm i'm as you guys said i'm I'm sort of I'm very very heavily invested in in bodybuilding and sort of making every making making everything as picture perfect as it can be in terms of the setup for a bodybuilder and I'm quick to say that you know anything that maybe you ask me from a mindset or training and nutrition standpoint is most applicable to people that want to edge out every inch as opposed to someone that just is looking to get pretty damn good results but, you know, not be that, I guess, sort of very on-the-money person that potentially gets that extra 1%, you know? Um, that's essentially who I am and what I do. I think, always, I think it's really interesting when you think about, like, <laughs> niches and you think about, like, you know, the the type of person you go after because that is, again, it's one of those things where I think as long as you're portraying what you believe in but then also you're trying to attract the same people because i would have said that's exactly i would have said that's exactly who you go after like if you had yeah, said yeah. what's aj morris's clients like i would say every single one of them looking for extra extra one percent they're prepared to give stuff up to make sure they get the most out of things and like yeah. that's exactly yeah as you describe it i think that for you and, and your business and also again not being patronizing at all but for your age as well it's amazing to have that i know what i'm doing like i think most yeah. people at your Thank age you. being an online trainer wouldn't have that they just be like, I want to work with anyone. I'll take anyone on. Let me do anything. But you're like, no, like you've got to be like this. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Um, yeah. I think that's something. Very, 
I'm very lucky in that regard, mate. Um, very lucky. But, you know, I think I was lucky to fall into that bracket, you know, fairly, fairly soon uh, and get a good idea of how I was going to do that. Because, you know, I see it now. And, and like we were talking about off air, it's a very saturated industry. Um, and the, the niche for online training is, as much as it's quite broad, it's also quite narrow in the sense that they've got to be pretty educated, be able to sort of put the principles that you're laying across to, to work. You know, there's, a, there's, a, there's an education process that can go on online. There's some things that simply you, you can't quite educate a client on without being there in person. You know, some, some people that are just coming up and, and you know, starting out, they're going to have to start right at the bottom and, and they're not going to really be in, in into that online coaching niche. But yeah, um, I, I would say that, you know, my, my sort of general advice to anyone that's looking to get that niche and get into that position is, is to almost, almost start from a personal training route first. I think that would probably set you up well. And then you'll understand as to whether you generally like working with people that are working from the ground up or whether you're going to get frustrated with the questions of, you know, um, how do I log pasta into my fitness pal? Because I kind of had enough of them after a little bit, and I wanted to answer more in-depth questions. <laughs> They're the kind of people Tom works with. <laughs> yeah. I, well, to people that go, I've literally had that conversation of dry to cooked pasta about I don't know, forty-five minutes ago, and it was my girlfriend. Mate, I had so, it today. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, brilliant, okay, yep, 75 grams of dry pasta is not the same, don't worry, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's one of those where, like, like, we, we, you know, in terms of, I guess, you know, team box, we're all quite individual in terms of our coaching coaching style, I suppose, but also who we go after a little bit, so obviously Steve, similar to yourself, going after to Comprep, but I'd say, like, it's almost like we go after that, I'm the majority of people, we go after that next level down, I suppose, which is like... Do you know what the one percent stuff? Like, I'd rather have a beer, or I'd rather have this, or I'd rather have have a day off from the gym when I feel like it. That kind of thing, um, yep. but still want to get those those results that maybe, like you say, it's kind of like, oh, I want to do a photo shoot because it's quite cool, but they don't have any desire to, you know, to to get you know tanned up and um, and get on stage. And and it's mm-hmm. just that next, like I say, it's just that next level of kind of. And I think to get to that level that that you know all your clients, right? I think it's just it's just a mental thing. It's just. Uh, You've got to have that that ability to go to that place where it's like, no, do you know what? Nothing else really matters. The majority of the time, I'm sure that you still have the odd time where you can you can chill out a little bit. But even then, yeah, the chilling out and the relaxation is for the reason of to recover for your bodybuilding, right? Rather than to yeah. do it for, for other reasons necessarily. So, I think it's 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 just understanding that spectrum, I suppose. And I think this is where it's really useful to have you on and chat because Tom again works with those people who are a bit more just like they need to be told every single day what to do in the gym because they need that personal training and accountability whereas we'd work with people who are a little bit more well no i know i want results i don't yes. need someone holding my hand in the gym i need you to to tell me roughly what to do um and yeah it's just really interesting because i think as online trainers i think sometimes people assume that there's like this like prime client which is like the bodybuilders are like the people that you want to be working with. It's like actually like they're some of the hardest people to work with sometimes. Um, and I think there's this perception in online training that you should just want to work with anyone or everyone. And it's just as you are as a PT, you've got specialities like Tom specializes in certain things with two rehab and biomechanics. You don't just take on any Tom, Dick and Harry. You have a certain type of person that you want to work with. Yeah, um, like yeah. I said, I think that's something that I think you put across um, really, really well. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, if we're going to back 
track, AJ. So if we go back before basically you decided you wanted to do bodybuilding, what age yeah. were you? Because obviously you're quite young anyway. What age sure. did you start? You were like, shit, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. I'm going to take this properly seriously. Uh, this is what I want to do. Yeah, so before bodybuilding, I raced carts pretty com- competitively. And the goal with that was to create a career in motorsport. So between literally the, I played football from, you know, very, very, very young age. And then I stopped playing football when I was like nine, nine, ten years old. But from eight years old, all the way until I was 16, 17, every single year was full on racing carts. Um, I, you know, I got, got to a pretty good level with that and, you know, got to world final level um, within karting and I uh, was like top five in sort of British level as well. So I was, you know, I was fairly good, but the, the monetary cost and the investment that that, that, that that was requiring was extortionately high, even at a karting level. So I wanted something else to competing and I was already loving sort of the in-gym aspect of the sport. Uh, because I didn't have the the cash to sort of go out every weekend and do test events and buy a different engine and buy a different chassis every weekend like everyone else was sort of just throwing money at their 12-year-old kids. Um, I didn't really have that, so I was like, right, I'm just going to outwork. I'm just going to outwork people, you know, that cliche quote. So I just did more fitness stuff. I did some crazy running. Um, my dad, I think we still got it in uh, the garage, my dad made me, uh, he took an old cartwheel and put loads of lead on it, and I just sat in my room doing this with a wheel with a fuckload of lead on it for about, like, as long as I could. So just basically experiencing holding that in that position. So because when you're karting, it's extremely demanding on your ability to hold the wheel, and... You know, you might you might not experience it when you're doing like indoor karting or outdoor karting or whatever when the carts are like on shite old tires and things like that. But when you're on brand new rubber and it's extremely grippy, like it's, it's actually a really physically demanding sport. Um, I'd say that doing a full on kart race was way more physically taxing than posing on a bodybuilding stage by a long shot. Um, and there were some kids that were just so unfit, so. Halfway through the race, they'd just tap out and start seeing their performance decline. But mine wouldn't. I would, I would always be incredibly fit. So I was loving that. Um, and then, you know, like I sort of thought I wanted to invest something that I could put the work in and no one no one could beat me purely on just fl- throwing more money at it. So I was like, I can afford some chunks. I can afford sort of, you know, to, to pay for my food. Let's diet down and do a bodybuilding show. And at that point, I was, I'd already been sort of just pushing up my food and gaining a load of weight. It's actually the peak of that start of that contest prep. I was about 10 or so pounds heavier than I actually am now. And I'm pretty close to my peak off-season weight at the moment for for now. And that's like, four years later with a lot more muscle so yeah. you can imagine as to how fat i actually was um, <laughs> the answer is very so i i lost 45 pounds for that sort of first prep um and it looked all right you know i got sort of third place for my first show and and went on to a british final level as well didn't place there but that was certainly like the fire lit i was like i love this you know i can i can just keep pouring passion and energy into it 
after that, you know, so the first the first one I did in 2014, I, I did that with a coach. I did my second one in, in 2015 without a coach on my own because I wanted to just do it all myself. Um, and I did I did well there. I just won a couple of regional shows. Um, but that, again, just lit the fire. I think the, the, the fire for me is the fact that it is all on me. Like, everything's on me. No one else, no one else can influence my result. It's have I put the work in in the off-season to build the amount of muscle that I need? And can I grip my teeth enough to get leaner than anyone else? Um, and that that is the cool part of natural bodybuilding is that you can beat competition that potentially have more muscle than you by simply outworking them to a point where, you know, you're potentially getting a lot leaner. Um, because in, in natural bodybuilding a lot of the federations rewards that element of, of superb conditioning that a lot of people just don't have. Um, you know, especially at the junior level, it's, it's very hard to grit your teeth and, and get as lean as, as, as that for, for and especially for an extended time period. Um, it is, it's not, it's not exactly what, what most people would call fun, but, I actually prefer it to the phase that I'm in now. I pre- I prefer contest prep dieting to to an off season phase. Um, I'm much more I, I I I attach myself to the rigors of that process, and I just I just try to enjoy it. And I've actually become quite attached to that, um, which I would say makes my off season process a lot harder because I don't I don't enjoy I don't I haven't learned to enjoy it as much, which I'm working on for sure. Um, but that is a very extended tangent as to what got me into bodybuilding. <laughs> I'm good at rambling, if you haven't noticed that already. <laughs> That's right. You, um, you've listened to enough of our fucking shows to realise that we'll go up on literally anything. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly yeah. what we're looking cool. for, mate. It's so, serious content. Yeah, kind cool. of... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just interesting to know, because obviously myself and Dan probably started training like ourselves. What we you mean where you are at the age of 22 and I'm putting this lightly in theory you've got a massive head start on a hell of a lot of people in the industry or people that you're getting on because you've you've been educated from such a young age and been around great people straight away yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to be honest I would have loved to have been in that position I mean I'm not old I'm 27 but I didn't have I was coming out of my master's degree at the age of 22 but I didn't know how to train fuck off I was terrible I would just yeah I knew how to move, apparently, according to science, but didn't know how to train. <laughs> Absolutely not. And if anybody's seen any of AJ's uh, like training like stuff on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, the guy trains. Like you, to be honest, you're out there. I'd say you're one of the people that tr- possibly portrays that they. They just absolutely. We did a podcast on it a few weeks ago, didn't we, Dan? That you love training. That is, yeah, that is the thing yeah, that yeah. you love probably most right now. Favorite and that's part what of my day comes across. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, me and Dan were talking about it whether we loved or liked training, and we we both felt we probably just fell into the category of like, and then we we delve into other side of the business and looking at other yeah, stuff. You no, know, I love and, that though. I love yeah. that you're honest. <laughs> I love the honest. I love that you you're aware of the fact that you like that you just like training. I uh, just yeah. there's absolutely nothing. In, in fact, I way prefer that over people that try and force themselves to fit into a criteria that they're just not a part of. I, I love I love it when people say shit. Like I think that. it was one of those where we right. I, I I categorized it by if someone said to me I had three days left on Earth, 
I wouldn't train in on any of them. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Whereas, whereas I get the impression that you would. Like, I get the impression you still would, you know? Yeah, like, man. I, I'd train twice a day, if not three yeah. times. <laughs> whereas I would just be like, fuck this, I've got three days. There's no way I'm going to put in this in the gym. And it's just, because I do it for other reasons, which is like, the aesthetic, more so for the aesthetic reason, more so for the fact that I do enjoy it. And it is it is a stress reliever, but there's other also other ways that I can do that. And I think it is, again, I think it's vital for, for again, you know, in terms of we talk about followers, we talk about people who you're going to try and, you know, get as clients, you're going to attract what you put out. And I think that, you know, you don't want to attract someone like me who goes, oh, actually, AJ, I only got in four sessions this week because I couldn't really be bothered, mate. Whereas... For me, it's like, actually, I can tell someone that they think that they need to be doing seven sessions a week. And I can go, no, you only actually really need to do four to get some sort of results here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it's putting out that thing of, well, I'm not expecting you to go to the gym every day because, you know what, like, I wouldn't want to do that. And it's, and it's that whole thing of, like, the whole industry. It's great because everyone's so, like, wants to be beast mode all the time. And it's just like, no, you're putting out this impression and, like, not everyone wants to be like that. And it's great for some people. But for some people, it just ain't going to work. And, and I, I think you, it, it shows that you can still have a half-decent physique. You can still be fairly strong. You can still enjoy the industry. Yeah. still be a trainer in the industry without saying, oh, my God, I'd, I'd do this before anything else in my whole day. Yeah. Um, but there's a perception, I think, there's a lot of new trainers that you get. And it's, you see the stuff they post on Instagram. It's embarrassing. It's like, mate. This isn't you know you're not going into war like it's just the gym like you're not <laughs> saying that it's just but you know but and you you, know, you don't post stuff like that but if you, if you did no, I don't I think that's a, did, I think like, it's a bit ridiculous. more like you get those people who are that level right yeah and they think like that but um yeah it's just it's just a funny old funny old industry because I I put the story I put it out my stories as a poll and. And again, like, I looked through it, and I think like two-thirds of people said they liked it, a third said they loved it. Because I think there's an, there's an understanding that you should love it. And I went through the names of the people who clicked on it, because I was interested. And I know a few of them. And I'm like, mm, also like a booze at the weekend, mate. So I don't think like... I <laughs> love training, I mean like, you know, before anything else, it's the first thing you think of, last thing you think of. And again, I, I, like you said, I, I think a lot of people think they should love it. Um, so yeah, it was just that was a really interesting conversation we had. With it's really that. interesting. I reckon if I polled it on my Instagram, I reckon it would be a large majority love it, like a large. But I, I, the funny thing is that I really think a lot of them don't, and they'd just be influenced to press yeah, the love it uh, yeah, just because it's have, me posting it. Exactly. Yeah, how many people try and impress you to say that, right? Again, I think that's also an aspect of it. They'd be like, oh, I got, I've got to let AJ know AJ. I love training. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's yeah. why he's a world champion. That's why you're not a world champion, probably. You know, yeah. like it's it's that whole thing. It's like it's, it's not everyone. And like like where's like Steve's the same. Like when I, I've trained with Steve for for a while now, and it's like some sessions he tries to push me. And I'm just like Steve, mate. I'm not at it today. Like just leave me alone, mate. I don't want to be shouted at. Like it's not going to work today. But again, for him, he always wants that. He always needs that because it's just the thing he loves to do. And it's it's just different. Different people have different ways of training. Like some days. Now, when I train with Mike, we can have days where we don't really talk to each other. When we train, we just go through the motions a little bit, lift some weight, and it's a good sure. enough session, but it's like yeah, 7 or 8 yeah. out of 10. But Steve is like, he's, a lot of the time, it's like, no, it's 9 out of 10, it's 10 out of 10, it's got to be spot on, otherwise it's, it's not quite good enough. You know, it's, That's what separates people from people who get on stage every year and look incredible, and those that just kind of manage to rock up for a photo shoot and, and enjoy it, and then two years later, they might do another one. You know, It's, it's just, I think that... There's there's this perception online that it has to be 
grind, grind, grind. It's just like, oh, come on, mate. Like, it's not that bad. Because like, <laughs> get a lot of messages from people who just say, oh, I love how you guys keep it real. I'm like, well, I'm just telling you what I'm doing. Like, this is, for me, it's real, but for someone else, it might not be. For someone yeah. else, they, it really is something very, very different. But um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, the, the online world is, is fascinating, isn't it? Jesus. It is indeed. <laughs> yeah. We're going, so if we were to go, when you're starting at um, like 17 to now where you are, like world champion level, AJ, to give the listeners an insight of your evolution, what do you, do you say your training like looks like from way back then? And mm. over the last kind of five years, and how would you say that it's evolved? What kind of training splits were you doing? What are you focusing on more now than you what, that you weren't like previously? Sure. So, I guess your tr- what and where would you gauge like your training age? Because that's a big, big one for a lot of people. They don't really even at your level. Would you say you're an intermediate, advanced liver lifter, or would you still you still learning? Mm. Yeah, I don't know what sort of level I'm at. Um, I'd say that I was lucky in a sense that I think actually my some of my training when I was like 16, apart from some execution changes, it was very similar to how I train now um, in the sense that uh, I just loved the intensity side of things. I, I loved taking sets to, to fail. I loved, you know, I loved feeling like I'd really beaten myself up in a sense. Obviously, we know that that's not a sign of a successful session but <laughs> it, it, I, I love that feeling you know I love going in and, and, and leaving nothing in the tank kind of thing um, that's the way that I love to train and I think in a sense when I was initially coached and you know made aware of the the level of intensity that you can bring and still make results and that you know deload weeks are important you know phases of undulating intensities and volumes and the minute i started to sort of get aware of the i guess the minutiae within training both from a periodization standpoint um and just an overall approach i trained more like a pussy in the sense that i started to sort of just back off because i was like ah, okay like yeah it doesn't matter i've hit my weekly volume i've hit this you know i was ticking the very small boxes but in essence, I was losing a lot of what initially brought me my progress, which was just going in and really giving it all, like giving it gusto. You know, that was that was bringing me a lot of progress. Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't really like. I actually sort of fell out of love with my training a little bit in that instance because it wasn't how I liked to do things, and it, it's why it kind of frustrates me now in the sense that I'm seeing a lot of 16, 17 year olds. That are just getting into things and you know they're setting themselves up on some wacky spreadsheet which is because uh, accumulating volume and maximum and getting up to their mrv and they're asking questions on forums as to whether they're overtrained and whether they're sort of you know ticking the boxes in terms of when they need to deload and uh, like oh god it just like it just makes me want to stay, say to these very young people mm. just go in and really just please just enjoy yourself and create this passion and love for training because by the time you're 20 then you're going to be completely burnt out um you're going to be in a position where you don't actually want to train anymore and uh, the the love for it is is really something that you'll have to rely on when you start doing things like bodybuilding preps or even even photo shoot preps you know shit shit gets hard and you're gonna have to fall back on the initial 
the initial passion and the love that you build for training. So I, I do think that that's a really important part of what made me sort of where I am now in terms of my training is is just building when I was like 16, 17, building that initial love for it. Um, like I wouldn't I wouldn't miss a session at all. And, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd feel really, really bad if I missed a session. I also just wouldn't want to. Um, but over the course of time, I certainly have sort of taking a back seat on 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 that and realizing that you know sometimes especially on things like holidays or or important important social events you know i i'm not like a robot and i will you know miss sessions if i need to i'm not you know i'm not someone that just skips them out of choice but if i am in a position where i have to then of course i do um in terms of split setup and the way in which I've run things from a sort of a looking at improving weak body parts or anything like that, I've, I've never looked at prioritizing weak body parts because for someone of for someone of my age and generally like anyone that's been training from the ages of sort of 16 to their, their mid to early 20s, I personally don't think that specialization is something that you should really put too much weight in. I think that growing everywhere should be your goal, unless you're looking at things from a perspective of body parts being very out of balance and you're having to create a more symmetrical look for the stage. Or I have some clients that literally say, AJ, I want the absolute maximum arm volume possible because I want to hug the sleeves. And that's what they want to do. Like, cool, go for it, mate. We'll ramp up arm volume and just go go hell for leather on it. But for me, I've always looked at my physique as... Yeah, I mean, I've got a weak, some weak, weak points. Uh, my arms and my chest are a little weaker in comparison to the rest of my body, but I don't think that I've ever sort of signified any large weak points. And that's generally been the feedback that I've got from judges. So I don't just listen to myself. My the the judges have always said you're never going to be beaten on symmetry, proportion, posing, or condition, but in the future you're going to get you know, you might get beaten on size because you haven't got enough of it comparative to, and I, I know that because I've competed against people that have had, you know, a lot more scale weight on me, and that's the issue with competing as a junior, is that in the juniors there's no weight categories, you are up against anyone of any size of any weight, um, and that's what's cool about winning it, is because I was, I'm pretty sure if they weighed us all in in the top five at the UK final, I would have been the lightest um, out of everyone. And that just goes to show that, you know, weight really isn't everything when it comes to natural bodybuilding. It's like it, the whole package. Um, Steve Format made a post, uh, a status about it, actually, sort of saying that shows aren't one for the back, from the back kind of thing. And they're just one from the overall package. And that, that's very, very true. You know, you're, you're never going to win a show based on one body part. So have amazing arms cool like if your calves suck and your glutes are soggy then you're not going to win um it's it's like the whole balance is what what we're looking for from a bodybuilding perspective so that's really been my training and my splits always been like a hybrid of a push ball legs with upper um an upper day in there so i i usually train legs i've for the best part of four three four years i've trained legs twice a week um, I've always had a, a full upper body day in there because I just really like them. I like getting a good pump and just I, I tend to superset a lot of things on that day. It's just I move more on that day. I just, I just like that kind of training. 
and and then yeah just splitting other body parts within a push and a pull session um and always log booking that's a big thing that i'm fan of i've always had a pen and a paper i've probably got about well, uh, well over 20 30 log books that have just got loads of old sessions in them um that i will never look at but are there <laughs> if i want to <laughs> um but yeah that's that's pretty much my approach to training and how it's sort of evolved i guess i think you go through phases with it i think with training i think you go through i've been through a phase where it was like just initially it's like just get in lift some weight and it's all good and then you get to a point and then you start then you start learning about volume load you start learning about all that sort of stuff and there's again some like my clients listen to this and for them at their phase at the moment it's important that they're thinking about it yeah whereas for me i go in and i'm like well i need to do three pull exercises two buys two tries and i'm done and I, like you, you've got a logbook, you know what weights you've lifted, you know what rep ranges you've been doing. And like you, it's kind of getting in and going, well, I enjoy doing it, just going in, lifting these weights. I know I need to beat this weight for this many reps, and it's all good. And I know myself well enough to go, well, I know my volume load is roughly around this number. I know I need to deload roughly every six weeks. Whereas some clients, they maybe need a bit more of that. These are the numbers you need to hit. This is why we're doing this. This is why your reps are increasing, because they need that direction, because they're just not tuned into themselves. And I think... Tom's probably the same, is that we're all at this point now where it's like you just kind of go in and you know. You're like, well, I know roughly what I should be doing. Like, I know that that's a, that, what that weight should be. I know that I need to do this much volume. I know I need to do this many vertical pulls, this many horizontal pulls, this many you know, unilateral or whatever. And it's, I think as you, get, as you get more advanced in your training age, you just learn just to listen. Like, I sound stupid, but listen to your body. I know it's pathetic to say it, but you do have that ability to kind of go, well, there's my logbook. This is what I did last week. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. I've slept loads. I'm eating loads of food. Let's go. Let's up the weights a little bit. And or if you're dieting down, you go, well, these are the weights I hit last time, so I've got to make sure I do at least this. And it's yeah. kind of like having that ability where sometimes when people, when clients come to you, they need that guidance to go, no, this is why your reps are increasing, or this is why you're getting an extra set, or this is why this is happening because they don't have that knowledge to go, oh, I'm going to go in today and do an extra set and back because I need to increase my volume or whatever. Um, I think, like you said before, is like having that love for training is like is having that age where you go in and go no it doesn't really matter what like the exact perfect exercise is for you that day it's like no just go in lift something pretty heavy make sure you logbook it and you're probably then going to be okay next week when you go and do a similar thing um because otherwise you get like you said i I, i'm i guess i'm more in your camp i know steve paul talked about a lot and like mike israel the whole you know max recoverable volume and stuff i'm like how can you like yeah you can guess or you can look at the numbers but it's like there's so many variables and i'm i think i'd be more in your camp of like really is it worth stressing everyone over these numbers specifically because you don't know what's going to happen that week you find it anyway yeah yeah like you kind of know yeah you kind of know yeah exactly if you're not not progressing there's there's something that you got to reverse engineer there um you can kind of work out whether you're doing too much or you're under recovering because what most people don't realize is that mrv is not a static curve it's a constantly undulating variable in the sense that you can never predict by a number or a textbook where your MRV is going to be because one night of sleep can change your MRV. So I don't think it's worth necessarily, unless you're someone that, you know, can literally keep every fucking variable the same, AKA be a robot. I don't think it's worth literally saying to yourself, okay, this is the amount that I can do and I can do no more, no less. Um, that's not nothing to take away from what those guys do because obviously Mike and everyone at RP is extremely smart but 
you know, it, I, I just personally, I've I've looked at that and I've I've even tried it with clients, and I end up just getting kind of upset with it all. I just don't I just don't like it, and I haven't had any clients that have have said to me, "Oh, wow, this is this is incredible." I feel so much more. Uh, I've had I've had clients say to me like, "Oh, I, I can do more," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah, but you know, let's just stay around this. But I can do more. I want to do more." And it's like, well. Who am I to say, well, actually, you know, the numbers are saying that. And it's like, well, actually, you know, they're going for a great time in life. Or likewise, it's the other way around. Oh, I've, you know, they're really going for a shit time at work. And it's like, I'm not being able to hit those numbers. It's like, well, I'd rather you didn't add more stress to your life by stressing that you're not hitting those numbers. I'd rather you just went in and enjoyed what you were doing. Um, yeah, like yeah, you said, yeah. I, think, I think with the clients that I work with, not, and that's probably why those guys use it a little bit more. But the clients that I tend to work with, it's just too much stress to go to that level. It's just not worth it for them. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and I think it's whereas for those guys, they probably have, again, you're going to attract that type of client who wants that data because you're putting out that information you're talking about a lot. So you're going to naturally, you know, those people are going to gravitate towards you if they, they they will geek out on that and they won't stress out about it and it doesn't become too much for them. Um, but like you said, I think for for some people it just becomes a little bit a little bit too much. I know Tom's a bit of a geek for stats and stuff and percentage of rep maxes and all that sort of stuff. Um, some people love it. Yeah. I wish. Oh, actually, I don't know whether I wish I'd love it because I don't. I don't. I don't enjoy that. I just don't enjoy it. Um, Tom's the kind of guy. So we we always have this debate. Like I can I can go into a set going. I'm just going to do as many reps as I can. Like I can put whatever I want on the bar and just go, right, come on, let's go for it. Let's do as many reps as I can. And you've got people there shouting at you and you can get like, for one or two hour, whatever. Tom's like, no, I'm doing this way for eight reps. That's it. It's done. That's all I'm doing. Because it's <laughs> like the spreadsheet says so, you know. It's, it's just, it's like different people. It's horses it's, and courses. It's just something in your mind where you say eight reps and then I'll be like, yeah, and wreck. I'm like, you definitely had two more in there, Tom. Well, fuck it. Don't know. Spread didn't say it. So go away. But and, and I know, even reading the research, I know Eric Helms posted some, like, ah, he's posted research about uh, training basically based on your, what Dan said was like listening to your body. And mm. the evidence does suggest that that will increase like performance and get better physique and increase strength. There's also, there's also so, one he posted, I'm sure there was one recently, me and Mike were looking at, and it was like, People self-selected their the amount of reps they thought they could do with this weight. They were told to pick their 10 RM, and like wow. no one picked their 10 RM. Yeah. Everyone got it I wrong because they were just pussies that, yeah. or whatever. And it's like not pussies. That's the wrong way, but you know they just weren't they just weren't aware of what they were capable of. And that's my view of it. Is like some days you go in there and that bar feels real fucking heavy, and you're only going to get out eight. Some days it feels amazing, and you get out 15. And it's just that whole thing of going well today at this point in time, I might as well give it what I can. And like whereas yeah. As I'm, the, I've I've done the same thing. I've done the way that Tom's done it. I've done it with the whole like I'm only doing six reps today, and I've gone and done six and gone. Well, I can do loads more than that. Like that was pretty pathetic. But then the next week, I've only been able to do six, and I'm like, oh, I wish I did eight last week now because this was really hard this week. And it's that whole thing of unless you push yourself. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, that's that's my view on it. Is um, is that there's a certain degree of having AMRAP sets and all those like drop sets with no numbers on that it's just like just do it. Yeah, that I quite like. Okay. That, that Tom hates, but it's, it's, it's that's what makes this that is quite a good dynamic. Is that is it's just, just different different ways of doing things? But yeah. I don't quantify something. Hang on, it's got no answer. I'm just like, yeah, it just says X next to it. Brilliant, and it needs an answer. There's a formula that needs an answer. <laughs> it needs working out at some point. So, actually, something that you touched upon, AJ, which I'm really fucking glad you did, um, because it was when P, you were saying people who were starting in the gym at the age of like 16, 17, and then they started lifting, and you don't your training doesn't have any weak areas therefore you don't specify and i'd like to echo the the voice of that that 
possibly from the ages of what you said about 16, 17, getting into the gym to the mid 20s. I mean, I hope we've said this before is just train train yeah. and enjoy yourself and the chances are even mechanically speaking from a physiological point of view you haven't done enough of the shit stuff to build weak points so there's there's not much to that you probably haven't accumulated the, enough injuries like m- myself and dan have to be like oh, actually this need, really needs to take back and this is where i push myself way too hard now i need to really focus on some of the uh, like adductor muscles that really need to stabilize me that didn't. That wasn't happening with me four years ago because I just needed to train, and I was just a bit of a wuss and didn't train hard enough. So, kudos on that uh, statement, mate. Mm. If people mm. go back, just record, just go through that. I, I get it all the time. Right? <laughs> I get it all the time, though. A client will say, "So do well, I." I've had, it, I've had it before, like where the clients have said, "Oh, this is this program looks a bit basic." I'm like, "What do you fucking want?" Like, like do you want to see mine? Like, fucking hell! Just, like, like, oh, I thought it'd be a bit more, a bit there'd be a bit more stuff to it than that. I'm like, "Well, hang on a minute, you can't even squat hundred kilos, mate." So, is it really worth us going into the nuances of chains and bands and all that sort of shit? Because that, that's what they want, right? And you're like, "No, you you just need to lift some heavy weight, really." Chains, bands and tempos. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and I, like, I would categorize myself in that position. Like, I don't train with any of that shit unless, like, Steve's doing a session, I have to do his. Because he loves all that sort of stuff. But I'm literally at that point where I'm still not strong enough to worry about any of that shit. I just need to get in a lift. And and I'll I'll happily admit that. But it's when these people go, oh, it's just, it just said, like, three sets of eight. And I was like, well, yeah, but there's three sets of eight, mate. And then there's three sets of doing it properly, which means if you can do more than eight on the last set, you do more than eight. And, like, going through that whole explanation of, this isn't like some sort of fixed, this is all you do and then you go home. There's an element of it when you've got to go in and leave nothing, you know, leave nothing behind. And it's, um, and like even from someone who, like we've just talked about, likes training, I still like that element of training. It yep, doesn't mean yep, I don't yep. love training because I don't love taking myself to that point where it's like, this is fucking horrible and hard. That's, that's when you can walk out the gym and go, fuck me, that was a real good session because I can barely walk, right? That's still have that feeling of like, that's an enjoyable session. Um, sure. Yeah, it's just that. It's just funny because I think from from watching you a lot on social media and all your Instagram and stuff, it's like the intensity is just at that point where it's like, just say to my clients, just like, that's how you should be doing it. Like, yeah, you don't have to lift the same weight. That's not what I'm saying here. Is that, but you have to give it that level of intensity. And if you're doing that, even if they're doing two lower body sessions a week and only one of the sessions are that, that intense, they're probably going to make better progress than they would if they oh, just yeah. followed the three sets of 10, you know, and just didn't worry about it. But um, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing I think that a lot of people don't, don't see and I and I've I think that I'm really bad at not showing how I train like on Instagram sure. or social media like I think that's a really important thing because people then realize oh actually that's how I should be doing it it's like no like they are failing with a rep like Thomas posted it a few times like failed on a squat and it's like yeah how do you know if you can do an extra rep if you don't fail like it's that element to it as well and people are so scared I think to take themselves to that point that they think is dangerous it's like, that's the whole reason you go to a gym is that there's machines there, there's safety bars, there's all this stuff there so that you don't hurt yourself. But people yeah. seem kind of embarrassed, I think, to, to fail. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my training is another sort of tangent to sort of my philosophies. It's, it's fairly low volume in a sense. I, I don't do a lot of working sets. Um, I'll, do, I'll do a fair amount of warm-ups and to get to my working sets. So I accumulate a fair bulk of volume by doing that. Um, Posh because the loads are getting heavier, so I'm having to do more accumulating sets um, or acclimating sets. Um, but when I go to work, like I don't go to work for very long because I can't. From a neurological point of view, I can only really do one or two maximal work sets on the next size before I'm moving on. 
uh, like today was was legs, and I, I did two sets on a pendulum squat for my main main sort of bulk of my quad or compound quad move. Now that, that was it. That was it. Two rep ranges, two sets done. Uh, if I, if you'd asked me to do one more, the intent is, and that's what I talk about a lot, is intent. Not so much intensity, but intent. It would have been gone. Like for me to put my headphones on and get to work again for a third time. I, you know, I'd, I'd start to really not like that at all. Um, and the performance output would be low. Um, but there is there is a fine balance between this because volume is a huge driver of hypertrophy. So if you're smashing yourself to bits so much that you can't accrue an amount of volume necessary for hypertrophy, you're going to start going backwards. So you, you've got to balance this proportion between giving it enough intent and thus intensity uh, comparative to also accumulating enough volume and I tend to accumulate more of my volume like I said not only in my warm-ups but more so my accessory movements the isolations the leg extension the leg curl but I love just going to town on my big compound moves and then moving on um, I can't in my head fathom if someone wrote on a program for me four sets of ten with a predicted load that will be hard on the last set on a pendulum squat, like I just look at that and just go, I don't want to train. Um, I'd rather I, I'd I'd rather not go to the gym than do that. Um, but some other people can be programmed that, like you know, I have some of my clients that I've trained with in the in uh, past experiences, and I'll I'll sit there and watch some of their their exercise and the sort of their intent, and it's like no no wonder you've progressed from week one to week eight because you've gone from like incredibly easy to moderately hard over the course of an eight-week block you know that's why you've progressively overloaded so you're checking in every week saying progress is awesome like no shit <laughs> you, you you're not nothing is hard here um and you show them what real what they're actually capable of and they start making or well, even more progress and their well the actual overload is a lot slower and that's the reality you know like I don't make a lot of progress. My progress is very incremental. It might be one rep if I'm lucky, or it might be a 1.25 kilo plate on either side of the barbell. But that, that to me, like that means the world because I know that I've poured everything into it and come out with slightly more than last time. Um, but but yeah, that's 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 a big thing in my training. It's sort of the lower volume approach to my compounds. That's what's and that's what you see in in my Instagram clips is is that because I don't like I don't really like sharing the leg extension you know it's just the leg extension <laughs> um, if I'm gonna pull up a clip it's gonna be something cool <laughs> yeah. which kind of leads into I mean talking about your big lifts one of our listeners Jamie did ask about because um, you've talked about going into a dark place before your lifts on a uh, a sympathetic nervous system like state. Um, it's something yes. that Eddie Hall talks about. So he's mentioned that he was doing like his 500 kg deadlift. Um, Jamie wanted to, if there was a possibility of talking around that slightly, what you've mentioned before. Yeah, sure. So is he essentially asking how I how I get myself worked up to I that? Guess, what, yeah, what how <laughs> yeah, just how you get yourself worked up. What's what's going through your mind at that point, and yeah, yeah what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So um, I. I just when I'm when I'm sort of in that position and it's and I know that this is going to be like a giving it all set. Uh, I I just think of the fact that I will 
feel so awful if I don't improve and I, I, I like the next time that I'd step on stage I'll feel like a complete and utter failure if I don't look improved and I know what's going to what it's going to take of me to improve um I think you know and uh, you hear a lot of CEOs like you said you know you listen to a lot of CEO podcasts they're they're very uh, sort of quite afraid of, of failure in a sense they don't want to fail and that's why they work so hard that's why they get up at you know ridiculous hours and and work their asses office because they don't they simply don't want to fail um so i actually think of a few failures that i've had within either bodybuilding or just generally in life and i think about how they made me feel and that gets me like fired up more than anything i don't i don't i don't i don't need any music in that sense like in that moment when i've got that natural fire I don't. I I could do a set with complete silence and still absolutely give it everything, um, and that's the part of training that I that I love. But it's the part of training that I'm also quite careful with, and then that's something that I want to be very very quick to note in terms of guys listening to this and taking it into their own training. Is that you can only use that to a certain degree. You have a battery life on your ability to give that intent. You give it to every single set in a session, and I, like, I've done it before. I've d- done it when I was younger, and you will come home, and you'll probably feel moderately, well, really down <laughs> because you'll have this huge shift in giving everything from a, like a endorphins perspective and aggression, testosterone up to a huge dump post-workout, and you will feel awful. Um, it's like, you know, whenever you have something amazing happen in your life and then you just sort of come back to a bit of reality it's kind of like that feeling but imagine doing that every single day and that's not a nice feeling creates a bad relationship with training so be very careful with when you give it that um just save it for save it for a few sets in your session save it for a few sets you know you don't want to be thinking of your failures like like we were talking on the leg extension you don't want to be thinking of your failures and just doing like you know your final few sets on a leg extension because you'll you'll bury yourself so yeah just just use it just use it cautiously um and that's yeah that's pretty much how i work up my uh my intensity i guess to a degree it's interesting because i thought that the assumption would have been that you would think of your success or you'd think about what you wanted to yeah, achieve right? rather than thinking about the negative right and i think that that would be i'd do five five less reps if i thought of my success (laughs) i've got this in the bag it's fine i just i think that's where a lot of people go into it thinking like again it's we talk we talked a little bit about mindset and like again being a world champion and i think going to that place i think if you were to listen to a lot of world champions or a lot of people who are very very good at what they do and they talk about that a lot is that fear of failure rather than rather than thinking oh i'm going to be a world champion it's like no i'm gonna fail if i don't do this i'm gonna not be a world champion i yeah. think it's that isn't it it's the whole it's the it's the what you wouldn't get if you didn't do it rather than what you will get if you do do it and i think that is like you talk about ceos and business and stuff i think that's the sort of the side of things that i i now relate to more is like no i have to make this work because it's going to be a successful business or it's going to be a successful future rather than thinking oh this is going to be great it's like no i can't fail at this not that i want to be amazing at it i just don't want to fail yeah. And I think that it's interesting because I don't think I wonder if Jamie would have when he asked that question whether he would have thought that would be the answer because I didn't think that would be the answer, but yeah, it makes yeah. no. sense. When but you I say mean, it. like there's there's 
pretty like obviously the one that stands out in my mind after speaking about that is Serena Williams and she has her book of basically quotes and stuff people have like talked to her and said about her all the way through her life that she takes on court for big matches and big points and she'll read through a book and that's the only thing I can think of that would kind of equate to um, pretty big <laughs> kudos figured on the level of Serena Williams but that, that's yeah. the kind of uh, that's what I'm thinking about if that's the same kind of nervous system state that somebody getting worked up for that kind of stuff because she takes it all on the fucking court right that, yeah. that's where she and then she's a completely different person when she's off it absolutely mm-hmm. different animal so it'd be interesting to see where people just like Eddie Hall does a very similar thing uh, for his 500 kilo deadlift I think that's documented so um, he went into yeah did that kind of thing be interesting to see what other if there's other aspects of people going into more of a positive state of mind and then going from there into kind of elite performance instead of vice versa. I think so, that also creates. I wonder if it also creates quite humble athletes as well. That mindset, rather than yeah. expecting to win or like or putting everything on the win, it's like no, I can't fail, and that's where then when you do or if you do become a champion or you do get to that level, you're like, well. You're not. Th- you don't think you're the you know or high and mighty. You don't think you're the best. I think uh, when I think about a lot of champions, a lot of very good athletes that I look up to, they would have I think a similar view. They would be a, oh no, I just didn't fail. I'm not like the best in the world. I just didn't give up, or I just yeah. you know they're very very humble with the way they do things. And then by having that view and that mindset, they're always going to then want more in the future. Because again, it's not like once they've succeeded and got it, yeah, it's man. like oh I'm amazing. It's just that well I didn't fail and that. Uh, by making sure you don't fail, I suppose you're always going to be, um, like you say, humble in, in in victory if you do manage to get there. So I think that's, um, I think it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool insight to get. We need to get Lisa Lewis back on. Fucking talk about that. Jeez. Yeah, <laughs> psychological <laughs> thing involved with that. Yeah. Psychology. That's decent, mate. Um, anything we want to go through? We spun for about fifth. Come out to an hour now, guys. Um, oh, if, but let's, 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 <laughs> let's, let's lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. we've, we've, we, yeah, we should probably delve into some questions from our listeners because we did ask them about you coming on. So, um, cool. what we got? So, I mean, should we name drop? Uh, we've got one of Dan's clients decided to ask me, which is very odd. Doesn't want to talk to you, Dan. Understandable. Um, <laughs> So, uh, what was your at the moment? What is your approach to daily nutrition? Ah, uh, it's pretty much it's pretty much the same every single day in terms of sort of food selection. Um, macronutrient wise, I'm a bit in between at the moment because I'm sort of going through a, a, a brief maintenance period, so I'm looking to sort of maintain my current body weight. Um, so, ca- calories for that are usually around three thousand for me. But I'm a guy, again, when it comes to gaining, I'm quite a big fan of assertive gaining phases. So I like to actually push my body weight up quite significantly um, and see, you know, see scale weight move. Because I think, you know, we can look at things from a lot of perspective. I know Helms is more of a fan of slower rates of gain um, and looking towards, you know, a very, very slow weekly average increase. Um, whereas I actually agree, it's one of the only things I agree with Israel on is the uh, the sort of the faster approach to to gaining weight. I've just found more progress with that. Obviously, you are going to find more progress with that. It goes without saying, but in essence, I I just find that I actually think that I'm growing on that as opposed to just sort of 
making tiny tiny edgeways into growing and i see i see people just like look the same for so fucking long it's like just push your calories up a little bit more and actually look different um i think i've i I remember i've i've taken that previous view in the past of like slowly and stuff like that and then i've always been a bit like look back at my pictures that i had from like five six weeks ago and i was like yeah i've made some improvements but then i'm like do you know what this time i'm gonna go fucking crazy for it because i was like i'm not doing that again because i'm just i I guess i'm uh similar to you in that i'm not as comfortable in off season as i'm in uh, cutting so i think for me the mentality of going and and doing that and then going actually i can mini cut more regularly because i'm cool with that i'm okay with that i don't care doesn't affect me you know negatively like i feel quite comfortable dieting um yes, whereas yeah. i think some people don't like dieting so they'd rather not do the mini cuts right and they don't yeah. like that process whereas i'm a bit more like you I, it's easy it's like the daily process is you just hit it and you do it yeah um so i've decided this year that i'm gonna that's what i'm gonna do i'm just gonna go full um uh, as jeff nippard calls it bear mode i'm just going bear for it I, just, I can't be asked to, like, there's no point is there it's you'll just, see some good progress i promise you yeah exactly <laughs> and that's the and that's kind of my thing is i was just like i'm sick of I look back at the pictures and I was like, yeah, I've made progress. I have. But mm. I'm like, I want to do it next time in two years' time and go, fuck me, I've made loads of progress. Not yeah. just like, oh, I like can see a bit. Day, yeah. I want to be able to go, fuck me, you know, I'm getting to a weight I've never been before and go, fuck me, these clothes are getting tight. And then I know I'm starting to, yeah. to make progress. Because um, yeah. I've tried it the other way and I thought, right, I'm going to fucking try it this way now. Um, and, and that's why I think, um, I'm yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm looking, forward to it, looking forward to it, I think. Good, good, good. good. Yeah, we'll see. Um, what in terms of that as well in daily nutrition what are your kind of daily supplements as well and what are you currently having that um, in terms of supplements I used to keep it very basic and I've just suddenly sort of accrued more and more um, I'm quite a bit quite a big fan of intra workout supplementation uh, so I use highly branched cyclodextrin um, and EAA's intra workout um, I've been a fan of that ever since sort of following John Meadows more frequently um, for the recovery sort of benefits. And I just found that my energy is more sustained throughout the session, especially with longer ones. And I don't feel the need in my head sort of rush home for a post-workout meal as well because I know that I'm kind of eating whilst I'm training in a sense and getting a, a small protein bolus with some carbohydrates. Um, alongside that, I mean... I, I take all the standard ones, you know, your omegas, your multivitamins, vitamin D. Um, I've looked more recently into how I can, you know, potentially get that extra inch through other supplements like pre-workouts. Uh, I mean, I recently signed with a company called A-List. So with A-List, I said to them, I was like, mate, I don't use hardly anything. Um, if I'm going to be in a partnership with the company, I want you to tell me a lot about what's going on. I want I want to learn about the supplements. So we went through sort of an education side of things and sort of him educating me on why I'd want to use stuff. So I've started to so impl- implement some pump products and things like that. So your basic sort of citrulline malate products with Hydromax. And I've certainly seen some benefits of adding them in. So um, pre-workout, I tend, to, I tend to not really like the stimmy stuff. I don't like too much caffeine. Um, I tend to, I actually really like the, the more cognitive supplements, so I, I use a, a product called Mental Jewels sometimes, which is a blend of nootropics, and I do really like that, even when I'm just doing check-ins and things like that, I really like the focus of that supplement. Um, and and then things that, you know, maybe the old, the old etch-rinch things like um, a GDA, which has been ugh, shoved around as to whether it's any benefit at all. Um, but we know as athletes, 
potentially looking to manage things like blood glucose and things like that can potentially favor us in terms of partitioning nutrients. The reason why I'm using potentially so much is that it's a bit here or there. We're training and for the most part we're fairly lean. So that provides a lot of our nutrient partitioning abilities. Um, So using a GDA is neither here or there in terms of whether it improves stuff. But I have found that throughout this gaining phase, my calories have been the highest they've ever been. My appetite's been the best it's ever been. My digestion has been the best it's ever been. And I have had issues in the past. You know, I've got to this weight in the past and been eating granola three times a day. And I've certainly not had to do that this time around. So, you know, whether they've made any benefits or not, I'm not too sure. Um, but those are the gen. Then I, I've nailed all the basics, you know, all the creatine, jazz like that, all the basics. But those are the few that some people might be might be re- remotely interested in in terms of what I do to maybe gain an extra inch, you know? I mean, yeah, there's fucking... I mean, we've talked about supplements quite, quite a few times, I think, on the show. But we have to come from the perspective as AJ's coming from a world champion bodybuilder perspective yeah, it's and just, it's, it's the just 1% that, like, right it's interesting to yeah. know what the 1% is doing it's that 1% exactly <laughs> it's that whole thing of like I don't need a glucose disposal agent I just don't need it like, I don't need to worry about it but I can see why people would experiment with that and it's funny because I've had people before go oh I've taken this thing that is supposed to improve insulin sensitivity I'm taking it on diet I'm like no you want to be taking that when you're gaining mate like don't take it now like you're just no, wasting you're, money when you're like, dieting you're massively insulin sensitive anyway. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and you're just like and again with supplements it's kind of like this thing of it's like oh I've heard that AJ Morris takes it. yeah but AJ Morris is doing this at a time where he's got all his meals planned out he's eating calories he knows where his calories are at he knows exactly what he's doing it's like you don't need it mate you don't train four times a week yet like you know when you just kind of like it's that point that into perspective and it's it's ridiculous. Like I, I started up in my supplements recently, um, just through a just through experimentation and stuff like this. Again, I'm not like ex- I'm not recommending them to everyone all this sort of stuff. But like I realized that since January, I was like I've not eaten red meat. I've barely eaten any red meat because I've been dieting, oh, wow. and like I just don't. I just tend to go towards fish and chicken. I was like fuck me. I was like I started feeling tired and lethargic. I'm like probably could do with taking some iron. Probably iron, like, yeah. what an idiot. So I've like gone to go, right. I'm gonna take some iron. And I was like right. I've not actually thought about going back towards probiotics again there's some research now going okay these could now be potentially useful um so i've gone back to try again i don't recommend them to my clients because it's like well you probably don't need it yet because you just need to eat more veg it's like this and it's it's just understanding that what works for a, a bodybuilder and, and someone at the, on that level it's like you just don't need to, to worry about that but it's it's exciting and interesting to get to that point where you go okay well what are they doing because they're the people that are getting the extra the extra like say one percent and i think there's been a huge surge in, must, you must have noticed it as well, but Redcon Nutrition seems to be everywhere at the moment. Like, Yeah, yeah, they're, they're a big American company. company. Like, yeah, big American company. They've come over to the UK and, and they're everywhere at the moment. But again, like, they're a very bodybuilding-specific company. You look at their supplements, I'm like, well, I can see why they've developed that product, but none of my clients need to worry about that. But it's that whole thing. I mean, you can see why people bring them out and, and you see why people do them. And I think um, I think Mike's talked about it before, about, the, about GDAs and... And the potential benefit there is, there could be in an in an off season with that. Um, so it's interesting that, that you say that. I'll, um, I'm gonna to, I'm gonna, I will actually um, pass that on to him. I'm going to make sure we sure. do some, some I research into look at yeah. what, what. I'm sure there's some benefit to, to doing it, and it makes it kind of makes sense. In and again, all these things make sense in theory, but it's then going okay, how does it actually work in in yeah. practice? But you're never going to get the the subjects in a study that are going to benefit from that level of the one percent because you're never going to get 
20 bodybuilders to go, okay, some of you stop doing this and some of you do because they're just going to go, no, <laughs> they, they all want to do it. So yeah. it's, it's, sometimes you have to take the anecdote from those people who are living and breathing it because there's no one else that can, that's going to, you know, subject themselves to the, the supplementation or the change in diet and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's all within context. It's like, you know, you wouldn't get, you know, 42 year olds, mum of three to wake up and start taking a, a you know, heart rate variability. Um, <laughs> I don't, don't think that's going to provide much benefit to her, but you know, in terms of it's, it, it does frustrate me as well because you know the whole AJ takes this kind of jazz. It, uh, that's why I'm very careful with what I say online. I'm very, very careful because it's. I don't want to give off the message that you know you, you have to do this kind of thing. Um, and it is just yeah. I think most people should be cautious with what they put out there. Um, and the more educated you are, the more you realize the importance of that because you'll just get down a road where you start getting asked questions that essentially you can't fucking answer because you don't even know why you're doing it yourself. Um, so I'm you've got no, you've got answer to ask but yourself, right? That's the other thing is like, you, you're like, well, I can take it because no one's telling me what to do, but I'm telling you what to do. It's my job. So I'm going to make sure that you don't waste your money on this because I'm wasting my money thinking it might work. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's like, it's literally like I've had, off the cost of the last sort of three weekends of check-ins, I've had at least 15 of my clients ask me about CBD, at least 15. Um, so I was like, mate, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't know how it's going to make you feel. I don't know whether it's going to make you feel any better. I don't know whether it's going to give you any better sleep. And so I thought, right, well, the only way I'm going to find out is buy some. So I bought some and I'm just going to try it for a, a month. And I don't I don't care. I'm just going to give an honest opinion. And in fact, I'm even giving it to my dad as well. And it's fucking expensive um, <laughs> just to see whether he feels any benefits as well. So I've got two study subjects and then I can actually give an opinion, which I think is the best thing. It's like if you if you haven't tried something, you can't start sort of saying, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I'm sure that's great. Yeah, give it a shot kind of thing you know mm. that's fair and I guess yeah. as well posting on social media you don't want people to be like you're just tracking onto you and be like oh they're taking that so that must be the source of all their success whoa, 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 whoa. hang on a minute <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> that's, the, that's, the, that's the biggest that's, problem that's isn't the one. It? yeah like, what am I doing that he's not doing that thing right no cool. I take it's I like, take this because I do all that other stuff <laughs> I'm not doing like yeah, you think so that that's helping right. it's not it's the other way around <laughs> but, yeah. yeah agreed yeah um, anyway, should we get on to... Um, have you got any more questions, Tom, or should we get into asking um, AJ? I think there was oh. just one that... I think um, I'm kind of interested as well. So, as an athlete and in Made by Morris, where do you see these... Uh, fucking interviewer uh, question. Where do you see both of those avenues in about five, ten years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as an athlete, I'll be very disappointed if I'm not a professional by then. And I'd have liked to have. I'm going to say it now. I want to be. A, I want to be winning the lightweight class at the WMBF Worlds as a professional. That's the goal. Um, but in five years, and I, I, I'm confident that I can. That I'm confident that I can do that. Um, I say that semi confidently because that's a huge thing, and that's like the most loftiest of, of goals. But. I um you know I said to myself at the start of 2017 I want to be a junior world champion and I wrote it like 
fuck, good luck, mate. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it came to fruition because I had the I had that little ounce of belief and that's all I needed. <laughs> I had a few other people saying to me, you can do it, and that's all I needed. Uh, Business-wise, I want to be the 3DMJ and the, the late, well, I don't know whether I want to be the late Norton, actually. I want to be the 3DMJ of... Um, of the UK, essentially, in terms of coaching physique athletes, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't essentially want to emulate them, but I do want to be what they are in a sense. They're coaching all bodybuilders. They have a team. Uh, I, I think I will probably build a team at some point in terms of outsourcing other coaches to come on board. Um, I think in 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 the form of that will probably be someone that can you know, do what I do in the sense that they can coach both female and male because I enjoy coaching female and male. I won't want someone to come on and say, oh, I'll take all your females and you do all the males. No, I actually like coaching both. Um, but I also, I would like someone by that point definitely who probably is female that can help a lot with the female competitors in terms of bikini posing, figure posing, even women's bodybuilding posing, um, because some of those things I don't like. Outsour- I don't like outsourcing them. I want to say to people: if you're part of Made by Morris, you are under our under our sort of awning, under our tent, and you don't have to go anywhere. You have everything here that you need. But at the moment, I'm saying, uh, well, if you're men's physique, yeah, I mean, I can coach you, but I can't coach your posing. Um, you know, because I'm not a men's physique athlete, which is my only excuse at the moment. But I think, in a sense, you know, I I can develop the the the, the sort of the ability to coach that. Um, but yeah, that's 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 where I want to be. That's where I want to be. I want I want to be um, essentially where I am now, but bigger. <laughs> in every um, aspect, I'm not saying every yeah. aspect. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm I'm, I'm pr- from a business perspective. I'm happy, but I'll never be content. Um, never be content with sort of where I'm. But I'm, I'm always, always display a lot of gratitude for where I am because, you know, I went from, you know, not earning anything online to earning my entire living online, um, and feeling, you know, pretty comfortable. I'll be, I do, you know, I'm in a pretty comfortable position. I don't have hardly any expenses you know i speak to steve a lot and i just say you know i'm kind of live like liking living at home steve because i don't have to pay you know a grand a month for a flat in london kind of like so yeah i'm 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 lucky in a lot of ways but yeah it doesn't come without a bit of hard work is he only paying a grand what an idiot all right <laughs> well, I, that, so I don't know. Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? That'd be about half the rent, wouldn't it? Half the rent, mate. Yeah, be fine. A <laughs> <Yeah>. lot <laughs> of money, a lot of money. Yeah. So, mate, Dan, mate, you should be get onto AJ's number, and you can do bikini posing with him. That's it, mate. Yeah, I can coach mate, you, you both, you both can. Uh, both, I want to see you both in bikinis doing posing, basically. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What, the, what the public are asking for. I think yeah. actually that should have been my five-year plan is to atrophy <laughs> enough for the bikini class. <laughs> <laughs> I think it must be the. Let's be fair. It must be the fastest growing thing. Every single person I see on Instagram at the moment is a bikini, bikini girl. Jesus yeah. Christ. <laughs> yeah, mate. But the thing is, at the top of the tree, I think it's actually an impressive class. Very yeah. impressive. Um, one of my friends, Phoebe, just went pro, IFBB pro, and she, even in person, is fucking awesome. Like, her physique is top dollar. Like, it's awesome. It's so cool. Um, 
but at the, at the lower levels it's boring as hell it's just like you've trained for a year and you just pose it's shit yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's the same yeah. in most. I went to see a show the other week, and it was, um, yeah, it was interesting to say the least. Like you know, yeah. and, and again, having been someone who's only competed once, or whatever, and, and I looked shit again. But it's one of those where I think it was like the in thing to do is is to give it a go. And I wanted to try it to see if it's something I even wanted to do, and I quickly realised it probably wasn't. Um, <laughs> because because again, I, I I was like that. I was like, well, I I can't compete in the only way I can compete in physique is by being in condition. And then you realise they give all the uh, you know all the places to the big guys. I was never going to be big enough to be a bodybuilder. Never going to get to that point where I can be that big. So I was like, there's no, not really much point. But like, went to see see one, and yeah, it was kind of a bit like you could have tried dieting, mate. Like even I know, like I'm not, you know, I'm like I wasn't amazing, but I was like, no, I could get up there now, kind of thing. And there's a few people there, and you're just like, really, like, is this where we're going with this? And it's obviously like all the qualifying events are going to be like that. Um, but interestingly, just to just to finish off on on what you said something before about your conditioning and stuff is that there is there does seem to be a trend now of them giving placings to people who are just in ridiculous condition. It seems to be less now about how big people are, yeah. Yeah. and there is a lot of focus on your proportions and your condition because because of that reason. I think it got so popular that it was just like a big guy would just go up and stand on stage. Like, no, mate, that's not what this is about. And they weren't in condition, and now it's like the guys that are fucking peeled. They get a place in if they're in proportion. Whereas there's some big guys stood at the back, like, "Hang on, how do I not get a place?" You're like, well, because you're men's physique, mate, and you're about twenty stone. It's not what this is about. Yeah, um, peeled stands out amongst the crowd. Yeah. You know, it's easy <laughs> to spot someone that's peeled, um, but there's you know ten other guys that are big. Cool. And, that, and that's I, the thing is like it seems go. to be that way that, going that way now, which is which is encouraging. I think, which I think for for a lot of people, I think again, if I I, I don't know if I ever will again or not, I don't know. Um, if I ever want to get absolutely peeled again, it's that encouraging thing to go. Actually, I might not be the biggest, but actually, if if you know, you like you said, going to that place where no one fucking goes, which is ridiculously shredded, then it could be worth it. But it's um, it's it's good to see, I think, because then it, it comes back to what it's all about, which isn't yeah. just about being the fucking big unit on stage. It's about how you present that and yeah. how shredded you are, how conditioned you are, your proportions. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. that's uh, I think that's enough for bodybuilding and, and, and the training. <laughs> anyway. What um, what I really want to know, AJ. So we ask our we ask all our guests these questions, um, and there's only two questions to be fair, um, okay. but they're but they're really important questions to us. So sure. the first question is, if you could have any burger in the world, what would you have on it? What what would you be your perfect burger? Oh wow. Um... Are we talking like meat, barn, and sort of the the internals of the burger as well? Fucking whatever you want. Yeah, whatever you like. Oh wow! Um, I think I'd probably go for. I think I'd probably go for like a, a brioche bun external, sort of the the bun itself. Um, the meat itself would would most likely be venison. That's my favourite meat. Um, I'd follow that up with. See, I'm not. I think I'd actually put like almond butter in there, and quite a lot of it, because I, <laughs> I, I don't know whether you, you guys are into that kind of weird shit, but I love meat and nut butter. I think it's, it's nice. one of the I nicest know. tasting yeah. things ever. So I put almond butter in there, um, and that would probably be it. Some maybe, maybe some like spicy sauce in there as well, and that that would be me. That would be me set. That would be a burger. That sounds pretty good. No, because we had Tony Gentlecore. He he went for um, they have like this cinnamon spread 
in America. Oh, I'd have that, man. And he had like, <laughs> he had like burger, bacon, and cinnamon spread, and I was like, "Fuck, that sounds incredible." But yeah, I've, I've any time I've seen a, a a burger on a menu with peanut butter in, I'm like, "Yeah, I've gone that. for it." It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. like, that's the thing. Like, not butter on a burger is, there's, is there's, a thing. There's a place called Band of Burgers in London. There's a couple of them. They do peanut butter and almond butter and like maple syrup on them. They're great. That's it's create your own as well. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, I still think we've got an open invitation from Ross Edgley to go have his fucking donut burger. Which yeah. I st- still instead of a brioche bun, just put it in a donut. Chop a oh, donut. I've, see, I've seen them before. <laughs> wow. <laughs> or just but the lads fucking swim around the UK right now, so fair play to him. Um, yeah, he and can he's probably... taking his time. You've seen that. I saw the other day. Like obviously he's taking his time. But <laughs> he started. He started. Off, and I saw like and I went online and it was he made a post and it was like oh go check Ross's progress here. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. been swimming seven days and I was like I'm sure he's probably a fair way around. Just, I looked at it and I was like. Oh wow, he's got a long he's way to got, go. He's just, I was like, I don't just know outside of Kent, he'd be yeah. doing it quicker, but I was looking at it. Okay, seven days in, it's going to take him about a hundred days, I reckon. Oh, I'm like, it's ridiculous. Freak, oh, absolute freak. So, on the back end of that question, you have to pair your shake, uh, your burger with a shake. Yeah, I probably would. If uh, if I'm if I'm going if I'm going out for a burger, I'll go all out. The 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 shake would be there also. What is oh, the yeah. shake? What is the shake? Oh, it's 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 been a while since I've had some element of shake besides the protein one. That's pretty <laughs> sad. Um, but it would most likely be something. Now on the topic of cinnamon, it would it would probably have some sort of cinnamon flavour to it. If it's possible that it could be like flavoured with like an oatmeal raisin taste as well, that would probably be a goer for me. Um, I love anything like I used to love oatmeal raisin cookies, and anything with cinnamon for me is a goer. And then I'd probably put n- more nut put- more nut butter in it. Um, what else? A bit of biscuit spread just to finish. Yeah. What else <laughs> I used to eat when I used to be like? Because my diet used to be like if it fits your macros to the max. Yeah. I think I used to have um, those. Do you like? Do you know those <sighs> breakaway bars? Yeah. I, used to, I like them a lot. They're good. Um, and uh, I'd probably crunch up a dream bar on top of it as well if I could source one of those old white chocolate bars because white chocolate is just the bomb. But um, but yeah, that would be me. That would be me set with a shake. That's a huge. That's a calorie dense meal there. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna grow. You're gonna grow, you're gonna grow mate. mate. That's so, it, man. The positives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Right. Um, I think within a. I think I've just got one more question because I like to answer this as well. Um, and. You can keep it to like three people. I realize within coaching or bodybuilding or whatever. So people, obviously you're a coach, you're following people online. Who are the people you've taken inspiration from? Who are your mentors? Who who do you think people should follow? Okay. Um, so first things first, like the main natural bodybuilding federation, uh, sorry, not federation, person or athlete that I've got the most motivation out of unfortunately he's very quiet on social media so he's not really massive to follow on social media but just to look at some of his photos if you search his name into google images you'll you'll find just uh if you're looking to get into shape you'll see that and if you search him into youtube there's some of his posing videos um i watched i watched that like no homo i watched that posing video probably like so many times before sessions that were like getting really tough um but that's brian brian whittaker um, he's a light, he's a lightweight pro bodybuilder, and he's just uh, superb. So 
he's um he's probably a name that's been edged around your industry a little bit because he was coached by Mike Zordos for a long time. So, um, but Brian Brian's probably one of my favourite people in sort of the sport in terms of an athlete. Um, outside of that, in terms of just pure sort of motivation for the sport again and where I've got a lot of my intensity from and sort of developing my my stance on what I do as a bodybuilder in the gym Jordan Peters has been a huge motivational source of um, or a tool for me I just like watching him train I like watching him speak um, I just think he's a pretty just, he's just a pretty cool, damn cool person to follow I mean there's not many people that are like his weight, uh, his body composition. He's just disgusting. That's a unit. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's the definition of a unit. Um, so he's he's just superb. And I've learned a lot from from just watching. I don't, don't even need to sort of hear him speak, to be honest. Just, just watch mm. and you'll learn. Um, and then I think finally I, I probably have got to mention Team 3DMJ in the sense that I learned a lot from them when I was coming. I, I watched every single one of their videos like multiple times coming up as a bodybuilder and coming up as a coach. So I don't think I'd be where I am now without the content that they put out. So, and there's so much gold. Like it's not just the new stuff. It's all the old stuff that they put out. It'll just, it'll get you in a very good place if you go through and watch the majority of that. So yeah, those are my three. Amazing. Yeah, you can go back and listen Strong. to. I mean, we've had Brad Loomis and Andrew Valdez. We're good friends with those two, who right. they both come on. So yeah, we we mean we've been to the conference as well, right? So yeah, yeah, good, yeah. They're, they're yeah. good fucking lads and lady. Um, so yeah, amazing. All right, we're gonna cap this show. Where are people cool. gonna find you, AJ, if they don't follow you already for some weird reason? Mm. So yeah, <laughs> thanks very much for having me on. As usual, guys, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Instagram's AJ Morris underscore and. YouTube is just AJ Morris, very simple. Uh, I have a, a, a paid membership site, which is I, I'm investing a lot of money into in terms of the quality of the content. Um, so that's at www.madebymorriscoaching.com. Um, it's a very, very low cost, but uh, like I said, you know, the quality there is, 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 you know, very high in terms of I'm investing in a videographer to film everything for me and, um and that that for me is my baby at the moment like, i really want to grow that a lot because i'm loving it um so that's the site um but to be honest you know if i'm very honest with you the the amount of information that i put out for free online through the podcast that i've done and the youtube channel is you know you can pick up a shit ton from that so just youtube and i have all my old podcasts on youtube as well and that's pretty much it amazing Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Nice, mate. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for coming, nice AJ. Stress, and we will catch all you listeners next week. <laughs>